When you walk dark paths, you open your mind to nightmares. As all eyes turn south to the land of the golden sun, the Osanata of history echoes into infinity. For as Abaddon before him, Balthazar has turned against the pantheon of the Mistwalkers. He seeks to usurp and consume their power and that of the primordial Elder Dragons. His reckless pursuit of power and vengeance could lead to the sundering of Tyria. We are now caught between a mad god and his prey, both of whom are utterly indifferent to our destruction. If there is any hope left, perhaps it can be found in the silent stacks of the Priory Archive. For within these parched tomes, we find the Chronicles of Abaddon, the fallen god of secrets and water. The account of his defeat might well be the path of our salvation, so hear my tale and remember it well. Study the past if you would define the future. When humanity first ventured across the unending sea, they made landfall on what would become known as Istan. On those isles a thousand years ago, the primeval kings built the city of Farina and fostered a civilization that would span all Alona. The first city and its people were fated to fall. Consumed by plague, the city became a tomb, a cursed place abandoned for six hundred years. By 653 after Exodus, the three independent nations of Alona had been formed, Istan, Kona and Vabi. Kona and its people were forged in the fires of war. From the battles of the shattered dynasty to the defeat of Palawa Joko at the hands of Turayosa, Kornan's sun-bleached sands were drenched with the blood of its bravest souls, and this military dictatorship was ever poised for conflict. The province of Vabi was ruled by the Grand Forum of Vab, a gaggle of affluent merchants. These self-proclaimed princes were deeply corrupt, for in Vabi, great affluence, art and culture lived cheek by jowl with poverty and injustice. The island province of Istan was renowned for its deep history and formidable navy. Its governance could best be described as a meritocracy. Each city and village came under the guidance of an elder, and the Council of Elders in the capital of Kamadan presided over matters of national importance. Since the time of the primeval kings, Istan had also been the home of the ancient military order of the Sunspear. Acting as a supranational militia with outposts in every province, the Sunspears protected Ilona from internal and external threats. Under the leadership of their spear marshals, men and women from every province served in its ranks. This status quo endured until 1072, when the flame-seeker prophecies were fulfilled. As Abaddon's pawns fell to the Chosen, he bent his will towards Alona, for deep within the dead city of Farina, a fragment of his divinity had been sealed. In ages past, a graven monolith 
had fallen from the stars, a blessing of wisdom and prophecy, before the five erased Abaddon from the annals of history. But even the gods could not erase the devotion of Abaddon's followers, and in every human nation those faithful to him remained. From beggars to warlords, all bound by his touch, laboured to free their fallen lord. However, it would not be one of Abaddon's faithful who would fulfil the dark prophecy of his vengeance. In 1075, Spear Marshal Cormier, whilst investigating the ruins of Farinah, would unwittingly read from the monolith of the fallen god, unsealing its dark powers. And so Abaddon's servant, the Apocrypha, was unleashed, and nightfall had begun. At that time, in the province of Korna, War Marshal Varash also ruled. The bloodline of Turayosa ran true in Varash. She was a hard woman, keen of wit, skilled in arms, and merciless on the fields of battle. If fate had been kind, her brilliance may well have been celebrated in the chronicles of Alona. But fate is rarely so. The poisoned whispers of her teacher, General Hayat, corrupted the young Varash, bending her will to the service of Abaddon. From the cradle she had been schooled in the prophecy of nightfall. Even before the seal was broken in Farina, Varash had been sowing the seeds of war and betrayal. She understood that when nightfall began, only Istan and the Sunspears would stand in her way. Varash recruited corsairs, pirates by any other name, paying these mercenaries to attack the naval and land-based forces of Istan and the Sunspears, diminishing both. When the seal was broken, Varish launched simultaneous assaults in Istan, Kantha and Kryta, opening portals to the realm of torment, unleashing Abaddon's demonic forces. The assault on the Istani capital of Kamadan was brutal, but the Sunspears managed to save the city. I will spare you the political blow-by-blow blow of how Varish's betrayal was uncovered. It matters not for our purposes, but when the dust settles, she had been proven right. Only Istan and the Sun Spears opposed her. Vabi would not stand against Korna until they were directly threatened, and perhaps not even then. With Spear Marshal Cormier in the vanguard, the Sun Spears assaulted Gandhara, the moon fortress of Korna. Records show a Sun Spear tactician called Dunkoro voiced his fear that Cormier was leading her armies into a trap, but the Spear Marshal would not relent. The fight was bloody and Cormier's warriors struggled to gain ground. The tide of the long battle seemed to be turning in the Spear Marshal's favour, until Varash sprang her trap. With the Sun Spears already heavily engaged, she summoned demons from the realm of torment to overwhelm the invaders. Cormier ordered the retreat, but it was too late. The account of the battle is hard to read. Not only did the Sun Spears lose hundreds of warriors, Cormier herself fell that day. Those lucky enough to escape painted a nightmarish picture of demons feasting on the eyes of the fallen Spear Marshal. But even in the face of such an overwhelming defeat, 
Istan and the Sunspears would not surrender. They did, however, need allies, badly. Requesting aid from Kantha, Kreiter and Vami, envoys were dispatched to rally support. If they could not stop Farish here, Abaddon would break the back of Alona and roll across the unending sea, taking vengeance on humanity, wherever he found it. As Sunspear forces were hounded by Varash's marauding demon, the Hunger, word reached their remaining forces in corner that Spear Marshal Cormier was alive but held captive. A war-hardened squad of Sunspears managed to rescue the stone-blind warrior and spirit her away to safety. Fearing being crushed between the allied forces of Istan and Fabi, War Marshal Varish made a tactical error. Instead of appealing to the Merchant Prince's vanity and greed, keeping them out of the war, she chose a more permanent solution. Assassination. This misstep would eventually prove to be her undoing. The princes were forced to ally themselves with Istan. Their domination over Vabi would not be secure until Varash was defeated. The War Marshal would also lose a critical ally in this exchange her most experienced tactical advisor, General Morgan. As a devoted follower of Lyssa, Morgan abandoned Varish after she ordered the desecration of the Shabalek Basilica, one of the holiest sites in Alona. If not for her forces being bolstered by the Marganites summoned from the Realm of Torment, Morgan's betrayal could well have broken Varish's insurrection. It should be noted that the elemental masters, the Jin, protectors of the hidden city of Adashin, were deployed by the reluctant princes in subsequent skirmishes with Varesh's forces. If these beings still exist in Vabi, perhaps they can be persuaded to ally with our forces. But I digress. The situation in Alona was deteriorating fast. As at this stage of the campaign, rifts into the realm of torment had begun to appear across the region. These portals dragged anyone touched by Abaddon or his servants into that hell and allowed his demonic forces to strike almost any location at will. Despite the fact that Varesh now faced the allied might of the Sunspears, Vabi, Istan and the forces supplied by Kantha and Kryta, the situation was bleak. Matters only made worse when General Morgan furnished his new allies with Varesh's war plan. The war marshal was en route through the desolation, headed to a place called the Mouth of Torment. Once there, she would perform the final ritual to free Abaddon and bring forth nightfall, the end of days. If the Allied forces were to stop Varish, they would have to follow her into the desolation. But that seemed impossible. Perhaps you have heard of that place in childhood tales of the saviour of Alona. When Turai Osa faced the lord of the desolation, Palawa Joko. But for those who have not, I must explain. The desolation is like no desert or wasteland found in the north. To put in simple terms, no mortal can walk its sulfurous sands and survive. To breathe the air, to touch the land, is and was a death sentence. Only two things can tolerate that nightmarish place. 
the undead, and the great Jukundu worms. Now it was at this point that Spear Marshal Cormier again joined the fray. She had devised a way for the allied forces to reach the mouth of torment, but before she could enact her plan, the sightless warrior was ripped through the fabric of reality into the realm of torment. Cormier, how brave you were to join us in the realm of torment. How mad you were to choose to never leave. To our heroes all seemed lost. And to make matters worse, the torment drifts had destabilized magic in the region, facilitating the escape of another old monster, the undead lord Palawa Joko. I cannot help but think that a fate or perhaps the five remaining gods interceded at this juncture, for Joko's kingdom lay at the heart of the desolation. During his long campaign against Turayosa, Palawa Joku had enlisted mortal soldiers into his undead armies. These warriors had been able to travel the desolation in his service and survive. Ultimately, of course, Palawa Joku was defeated and entombed by Turayosa. The Order of Whispers was tasked as Joku's eternal guardians by their founder, Turayosa. So the Allied forces now had within their grasp a being able to spirit them across the wastelands. But the price of Joko's aid was high. The Olonians traded his freedom for safe passage. Even now, knowing the ultimate consequence of their decision, I honestly think they had no other choice. So what was the secret? Well, the only means of safe passage across the desolation was inside the great Jukundu worms. I shudder to think of what exactly that entailed for our heroes, but they did survive their journey and reached Varish before she could complete the final ritual. In that forsaken place where the five gods had thrown Abaddon into the realm of torment, War Marshal Varish also was defeated. She died in the arms of General Morgan. My scholarly guide told me the archives held personal correspondence belonging to the General, and his words were sobering. As she lay in my arms, I saw not the zealot of Abaddon, only a broken child. Her heart had held so much fire, passion, conviction, discipline. She had done great and terrible things in her short life. I loved her as my own blood. If only I had known of Hayek's madness, perhaps I could have saved her and my home. It would be fitting to end our tale here, for we who have lived to see the rising have no small understanding of extraordinary happenings, and these events, to our eyes at least, still fall within the realm of sanity. Sadly, I cannot. These last lines might well be the most prophetic, so heed them well. A new god is born, a god that will destroy the others and bring about the end of the world. The cycle begins again. As Varash took her last breath and a victory surged in the hearts of our heroes, reality folded in onto itself as the allied forces were swept into the realm of torment. In this place of suffering and anger waited Cormier. 
How the Stonebind Sunspear had survived alone in that place is not known. But gifted with insight beyond understanding, Cormier guided the defenders of Alona in their final task. The destruction of Abaddon himself. It is staggering that a handful of mortals attempted such a feat, but faced with an eternity locked within the realm of torment, perhaps hopeless defiance is a reasonable response. We do well to note that when the servant of a Mistwalker is defeated on Tyria, they are not lost forever. In that realm of madness and suffering, Vizier Kilbron and Shiro Tagashi guarded their fallen master. If these names mean little to you, let's just say that at the bidding of Abaddon, these zealots brought nations to their knees and took the lives of millions. I can only hope that these rogues' final death at the hands of the Alonan heroes was their last. Now we stumble into myth, for it is at this point in the account that the five true gods appear before Cormier and her son Spears, or rather the spiritual essence of the gods, not their physical form. This is the exchange as it is written in the Chronicle. Gods, we beseech you, hear our prayers. We have come where living men should not be. We have fought armies, crossed wastelands, and conquered demons. Now we are in the heart of torment. We must destroy Abaddon before he destroys the world. But we cannot battle him alone. You are not alone. The gods are always watching. Watching? We need your help. We are only mortals and challenge a god. There was a time when the gods walked the earth. Every thought and achievement was a gift of the gods. But now you must realize that our gifts are within you. Duena lives in your compassion. Balthazar in your strength. Melandru dwells in your harmony. Grenth in your justice. And in your inspiration, Lyssa is there. The divinity is within you. And so we give you our blessing. That should suffice for the task ahead. And to you, Cormir, a most special gift. This is your world now. This is your decision. You must make a choice that a mortal could make. So with the blessing of the five, these brave warriors faced a crazed deity. How they prevailed, I do not comprehend, but prevail they did. And again, I am struck by how history seems to endlessly repeat. We saw it as Mordremoth fell, and when the bloodstone shattered. If the primordial energies of gods and dragons are not contained, focused, channeled, it is catastrophic. And so it was with Abaddon, as his vessel was finally shattered. The essence of his being threatened Tyria, and into that whirling vortex of energy, Cormier walked. How immortal was able to survive, let alone consume and contain such power, is beyond understanding. But out of that corrupt shell was born a new god. 
poor sad goddess, raised up to the stars and cursed to see only the infinite darkness between them. There is much hope and insight to be found in this tale, but it is also a window into the greater workings of our world. As Cormius succeeded Abaddon, there may be one who can take up the mantle of Balthazar, but only if we can defeat him. But make no mistake, these chronicles also stand as a stark warning. There will be mortals who support the god of fire and war, unable to break with their faith, even at the cost of their lives and loved ones. And there will be more who seek wholesale destruction of the dragons and the gods alike, believing not the wise and their warnings of disaster. Friendships will be broken, lives lost, and this world forever changed, no matter who prevails. I am beginning to think of Tyria as a moat of light in an ocean of darkness. Almost nothing, and yet everything. There is a greater pattern here. Perhaps we are only just now starting to comprehend the cycles of the eternal alchemy, for they are measured not in years, but in epochs. Thank you.